How does your coffee taste on this Monday morning? Is it bitter? My coffee tastes good because I get it from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Go to highpointroasters.com and get your coffee right there. This was an old-fashioned butt-kicking, a tail-whipping. It was a woodshed moment. It was meet me out in the parking lot after school behind a gym, and it didn't go too well uh, for uh, the home team, for us. And so this is a tough one to take right here because not only did they play great and we didn't really have anything we could do to stop it, uh, we played terrible in several aspects, and I've been there. I've played terrible a bunch <laughs> in my playing career. So uh, how do you deal with it? Let's talk about that right now. All of my content here on the channel is made possible by Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Agents in all 82 counties in Mississippi. Final score, LSU 31-16, and State only had 214 yards passing in the game. No, wait a minute. That was last year's game against LSU. This year, it was 41-14, and only 107 yards passing against LSU. Now, I'm not here to make a video about how there ain't a whole lot of difference between last year and this year. I think you could watch that game and, and at least in a vacuum, the performance against each other, it looked pretty clear to me that LSU is even better than they were when uh, State faced them this time last year. And State's offensive situation is not as good as it was this time last year. But there ain't a whole lot of difference in the results in the two years when you look at the entire four quarters. Now, the game flow is different, obviously, and we can get into some of that. But, you know, last year to this – they scored 31 last year in Baton Rouge, scored 41 this year in Starville. State scored 16 last year in Baton Rouge, scored 14 this year in Starville. Doesn't seem like a ton of difference, and there are some major differences. But, you know, it's two teams who now two years in a row, I think we can see the rosters are different, these two teams. you got to credit LSU. They've, they've built up a roster full of really good ball players, and they are coached well. You know, the major points in the game are, are pretty obvious at this point. And I will say, this is almost like prefacing my comments, and I meant this. You know, we talked about it after the game in a post-game radio broadcast. I'm not even sure that, you know, a good portion of your team gets anything out of watching the film of this game. It felt like when it was over, the best thing State could do from that, say, the minute it went to zero on the clock from that game, the best thing State could do would be to take all that game film, throw it in the garbage, because that's really where that game belongs for State, and just go ahead and start looking ahead to South Carolina, start preparing and getting ready for your first road trip. Try to figure out a way to kind of, you know, huddle together and pull together and galvanize something on offense and shut out all the noise and just talk to each other and get to know each other a little better, practice a little harder, and try to figure out a way to go win some games, including this next one. Now, and again, that's how it felt. That's kind of how it feels about even recapping it because it's so obvious. The the points are so obvious. I mean, you know, State goes out there and finishes with 201 yards of total offense. Yeah, I think I saw a note that it's the worst four-quarter offensive output since like 2007, you know, all the way back to when, you know, Kroom and, and those guys were here. And... uh you know that. I know there's 14 points on the board, but 
it's kind of crazy to say that, you know, it's a 41 to 14 game, but the score actually does make it look a little more competitive than it was. At the end of the third quarter, it was 34 to 7. The state had 123 yards of total offense at the end of the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, LSU went ahead and began to do a lot of subbing, playing a lot of backups, particularly on defense. So as a team, State then started to move the ball a little bit, and they they had 78, 78 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. So not quite, but you know, a whole lot, what, better than a third of your offensive total for the game came in the fourth quarter when they started making subs. But through three quarters, State was sitting there with 123 yards of total offense. So that sort of paints the picture that this was offensively, this was all-time bad. And you you credit LSU and their defense to a certain point in that, yeah, they are they do have great players, Perkins and others, and he's not the only one. And they are very well coached. And they were the Western Division champ last year. And they are a program that, like a lot of programs around the country, once NIL has opened up, it has really opened a door for them because of their fan base and their support and their money. And they've transferred in, and they've filled holes quickly and those kinds of things, and they're able to do that. But with all of that said, given the the players that State does have on offense, the seniority and the older guys that do have on offense and a fourth-year quarterback, that combined, nobody's outside of blame. It's coaches and players on that side of the ball. They're all responsible for it has to be better than that. And they know that. And so let's just throw this in there right now. Number one, nobody knows what it feels like better than the coaches and the players. Nobody wants to succeed more than the coaches and the players. No one has more invested in it, more time, more effort, more Broken bones, more rolled ankles, more rehab, more weightlifting, more study. No one has more invested in the offense than the players and the coaches. It hurts them more than it hurts us. And no one wants to fix it worse than they do. No one wants to win worse than they do. If you and I you know, spend our money, we go to the game, I work it, you go as a fan, whatever – and we sacrifice and we tailgate and we buy hotel rooms or whatever it takes, the gas to get there, and we feel like we've got time and money and effort invested and we really want to win. Whatever our level is of investment and want to, theirs is to the 10th power. That's how that works. The good news is from an X's and O's and an understanding of football standpoint, those folks, those players and coaches have forgotten more X's and O's than most of us will ever know. So in terms of getting it fixed, if it's in the players and coaches' hands, it's in a whole lot better hands than if it was in mine or yours. That's a fact. Now, what happened in the game? Let's start with quarterback. By nature of that position, uh, quarterback's always going to get more credit than he deserves at times, and more blame than he deserves at times. It's never really just right, uh, good or bad. That was my experience. I think it's pretty much everybody else's. Will is a tough kid and a good football player. And he proved that in a previous offensive system. 
And that offensive system highlighted what he is capable of doing. And now he is transitioning to an offensive system that is not going to highlight what he is capable what he is capable of doing like the previous system did. And I know that's sort of preaching to the choir. Everybody really kind of understands that. Um, and it's true. There's nothing wrong with admitting that, that, you know, in that previous air raid system, which is something he ran in high school, you know, there's a reason they recruited him to Washington State before getting the job at State. You know, Will is not a, uh, a guy who's going to take off and run like Jaden Daniels does or some other player like that. That's not his game. You know, win from the po- pocket, read the field, throw underneath when they give it to you, be accurate, high completion percentage on throws that they give to you. And when you get the occasional man-to-man down the field, hit it. And that's kind of how he made a living in the air raid. And it was not always pretty. They had some games where, where defenses got after him and hit him and sacked him and forced some incompletes and some interceptions here and there and stuff like that. But for the most part, the majority of the time, he was really good in that air raid system. It's pretty clear that this is a drastic transition. We've seen in the first three weeks now that, uh, and in the first two wins, this is a very drastic transition from the previous air raid system to what they are intending to do now on offense. And I don't think anybody really knew for sure prior to the first game, you know, how much is it going to be like last year? You know, you got air raid personnel, including quarterback. And, you know, is it is this going to sort of be a, a mold of like parts of new offense and run scheme, a little more run, and but still lots of air raid stuff just like they've been doing? You know, like what – is it all going to look like? Well, what we've seen is this is a this is a full on turn the page completely, flip the switch, turn it upside down from what it was before to what it is now. At least that's way it has looked in three games with the the really the few number of pass attempts in week one and week two in games you won, and really riding the run game, riding Woody Marks. And um, it's like taking Will Rogers from being a starting pitcher who's throwing 100 pitches a game in a start to now we're going to switch him and now he's a relief pitcher. Now he's a closer where he's going to throw a fourth of the number of pitches and instead of facing 27 batters, we need him to face three. And so that's like that's the kind of transition that you're going through from what it was before with him to what it is now with him. And you can see how far they have to go. During the course of the game the other day, um, Will finished 11 of 28 at 39% for 103 yards and, and still did not turn the ball over, but you didn't have any touchdown throws in there also. But he started the game one for his first seven, and the one was the first play of the game, right, which was a 12-yard completion on the first play. And it's pretty clear that that first completion sent a – it's just one play, but it kind of sent a signal – to State's coaching staff that, hey, we came in thinking that we needed to throw the ball against this bunch, and we can. But then one for your next seven, and a lot of that was protection issues. Some of it was breakdown between quarterback and receiver, not on the same page. But here are some things we can say about it in this transition. This was week three against a much better opponent, but I've never seen Will start a game one for seven in his college career. I've never seen him have anywhere near a 39% completion rate in a ball game. Uh, There were multiple times in this game where he's getting rid of it to get it out quickly, and he's throwing it to a spot, and there's no one there. 
And then after the play, there might be a little talking between he and a receiver, and you could tell they're not on the same page, right? So whatever he's seeing and expecting, receiver's seeing and expecting something totally different, and the ball go, and it's just it almost looks like a throwaway. That happened multiple times, and we've not seen that from him really at any point in his career to this point as a starting quarterback in the previous system. So I took that as it's obvious to me. And again, you know, People probably get sick of hearing the comparisons to the previous system. You're like, who cares? That's out. It's over. But the point is, for a guy like Will Rogers, you know, you play, you know, your previous three years of college as a starting quarterback in this system, this other system, that it's obvious he had a really good, firm grasp of, of everything that he was being asked to do along with receivers way more often, like a huge majority of the time, whether it worked or not, whether there were mistakes or not, they grasped and knew what they were trying to accomplish. And it's pretty obvious. You see a few times here in this game that it was pretty obvious they they weren't clear on what they were trying to accomplish and how they're going to do it. And, you know, that's a coaching thing as well. So to sort of avoid the continuance of the beating of the dead horse here on this thing. I said before the year began that, you know, uh, Coach Arnett's decision to break up the previous offensive staff and, you know, transition and, and basically get rid of the air raid that you were running under Mike Leach, which is the only, like, original air raid still out there. But to break it up and kind of send it packing and send it on its way after the unfortunate passing of Coach Leach – was a little bit of a risky decision because if you couldn't with with those returning players and seniors across your offensive line, a senior quarterback and others that are veteran like Tulu and a senior running back like Woody, if if that decision didn't you know translate into being good on offense this year, then you would catch criticism he would catch criticism for that decision. Because you could argue, you know, that if maybe if you want to transition to something different down the road, you know, a slower metamorphosis over the course of time would actually be better for the, you know, win-loss column now, for the offensive numbers now, as opposed to straight up wipe the slate clean, new staff, first-year offensive coordinator who's a first-year FBS offensive – well, yeah, first-year – Power five offensive coordinator that uh, Barbe's been around, but also an offensive staff that hadn't worked together yet. It's like totally wiping it clean and starting over with veteran players that in order to not catch criticism about that decision, this would need to really pan out and work. And we're only three games into the year, and it may, you don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. It may pan out. They may go win this week, and the light bulb totally comes on and they pull it together. But to this point, it hadn't looked great. So there is criticism there, and there's that just comes along with coaching and making tough decisions and things that you want to do. But that's the nature of it, too, is it does raise questions. And so having said that, there are times when you look out there and it almost looks a little bit unfair, uh, like the situation just kind of stinks for what Will Rogers has is going through right now. You know, he's not a guy who's going to zone read 
out there against a team like LSU and keep the ball five to ten times a game and hurt him with his legs. That's not his game. It's not who he is as a player. Is he capable with protection and time of reading the defense and completing passes? Well, the answer is yes. And I'm not – you know, Will is not beyond criticism. He missed some throws. He has missed some throws this year uh, in each ball game, and I think he would probably tell you that. He has not played his best individually when he's had some opportunities so far this year. And that's part of being a quarterback, too, is you take responsibility for those things. Nobody takes better responsibility of it than he does. And he, um, you know, week one, you miss a deep ball. That's a score on a one-on-one to J-Rob. Week two, you know, you had the, the deep over to Tulu, overthrow that one. Um, this week, you know, even in the face of some pressure, there's some guys open at times. You got to step in there and deliver the football. And they were off. There was a couple throws down the field, two different times that maybe you're a foot off here, a yard off there. One was the go ball to Xavion, uh, just off, just a little bit. Took a tight, perfect throw. But if it is perfect, it's a touchdown. You know, the the back shoulder to Harmon, I thought was a good enough throw that that should have been a catch and a score. He's got to play, make a play there. But you know, maybe he feels like that could be better. Um, so he's certainly not been perfect. And I felt like in the course of this game the other day against LSU that Will, you know, he did get rattled and didn't. he was not able to trust his protection. And you can say, well, he doesn't trust his protection. But you can also say, well, should he at times trust his protection? Because, you know, even to the naked eye, to a novice that doesn't even really understand protection, can watch the pocket that a Jaden Daniels was playing from versus the one that Will Rogers was playing from, and it's night and day different. So all those things go into it, and all those things factor in. There were way too many uh, busts at times on your O-line. And, you know, right from the beginning, you had some guys going the wrong way. So they're getting different calls at different times. You know, not on the same page up front. You, you know, look, you know, State only ran 50 offensive plays. So there's two things about that. You know, it's like a catch-22. Well, part of the reason you only ran 50 plays, you didn't stay on the field. And part of the reason you didn't stay on the field is because you weren't running stuff right and executing. But the other thing is any offense – at this level, that is whipped into a competitive unit, which you're supposed to be at this point. Any offense that has been whipped up into a competitive unit is supposed to be able to run 50 plays against just about anybody and be in the right place and the hat on the right hat most of those 50 plays. And then if you look at it and go, well, the other team's got better players. And so this guy got knocked back into the backfield. Or this guy over here, he's on the right spot. He just couldn't block him, okay? It's like watching the Jets and the Cowboys. A lot of times the Jets had the right offensive lineman on the right guy. But physically, you cannot block Micah Parsons. He's a really good player. That's one thing. But being in the wrong place or going the wrong way or in protection, being confused about am I, am I helping here or am I helping here and you let guys slide through, being confused if you're a running back in protection of how long do I check and wait? Do I look here? Do I look here? If I'm pull, if I'm out in front of a rolling quarterback trying to get him away from the rush, am I looking back inside or can I look outside or like what are I, those kinds of things? It, it is an indication that the offense as a whole, from you know we can argue design all day, 
but really whatever it is from a coaching and a communication to an execution standpoint, there's a gap there that State's got to close because you're in week four of the season. We gave we had to give a player the game. Uh, it's part of our broadcast. You know, it's a contractual deal. It's a sponsored segment of the show. So I chose to give it to Tulu Griffin because, you know, in Mark's eight carries, 75 yards, I've, you know, he had a 9.4-yard average because he had a fit long of 52. So one of those carries went for 52, and that would mean the other seven carries went for – 23, right? So that stretches the average out there. So Tulu got three touches in the run game for 24 yards. It's an average of eight and a touchdown. And his longest was 14. So he had one go for 14, and the other two went for 10. That's five yards apiece. So productive when he touched it in the run game. Tulu was the leading receiver with four catches. Now, he wasn't in terms of yards, Um but he was the leading receiver in terms of touches with, you know, he had four catches. Uh, catches. I mean, he had four catches for 16 yards, but he was targeted six times. So when you look, the only the guy who was close in terms of targets to catches was Justin Robinson, who was targeted three times, caught two. But Tulu targeted uh, six times, caught four, 16 yards, and was big in the return game. So in three areas, uh, I say big, but he – a few times when he got opportunities, he was good. He was consistently good in the kick return game, and that's a team stat also. But three kick returns, 102 yards, had the long return of 39 and average 34. So he didn't break any. But at least in a game like this, you got to give the player of the game to somebody. And to me, it seemed obvious him. So here's what I'm looking at. Here's why I bring that up offensively. It is really clear to me that the two players offensively that the game must go through. If you if the goal is to give yourself the best chance to win these games. Now if the goal is something else, if the goal is develop an offense for the future, um, you know, you're slowly working on something, install something that's going to benefit you down the road, maybe years down the road, okay, if that's the goal, fine, uh, you decide. I'm not the coach, but most likely <laughs> right? The goal is there is no tomorrow. The goal is win games now. We're not trying to install something that's going to benefit us three years down the road. We're going to win some games now. I mean, the Lord may come back tomorrow, and there is no next year. So you, you want to go try to win a game this weekend. It's really clear to me that the offense has to go through number seven and number five, Woody Marks and Tulu Griffin, those two. Now, everybody else plays a role. And you do have other weapons, and you do have Xavier Thomas, and you do have Justin Robinson, and you have the, you know other capable running backs who you're going to rotate and do all of those kinds of things. I, it just looks to me like you don't have a choice with where you are. You're, you're now four weeks. You're about to hit the fourth game of the season. It's going to get away from you really fast. The most consistently good player you have on offense is Woody Marks, and that's the most consistently good thing you've executed is just somehow giving him the ball, whether it's you know zone or lead or counter, or wide zone, inside zone, every now and then throw him one. And everybody seems confident in that. Your offensive line seems confident in that. They execute those things better. So obviously you've worked on it a lot. 
And then some of the ways that you use in Tulu Griffin, those two guys just have to touch the football. And so with that said, this is tough. This is a tough deal. Okay. But given the lack of execution that you saw this past week against a really good, robust defensive opponent in the SEC, the top league in America, they got a bunch of NFL guys over there. And, and given the bust, the lack of execution, uh, the lack of you know pop, <clears throat> the lack of protection at times, or just time to get balls thrown down the field consistently and, and accurately, you got to go ride. They, they've. It's almost like it looks on the outside looking in like they've put themselves in a position where they don't have a choice but to go ride Woody Marks until you can't because he can give you a, a chance at staying on the field and a chance at scoring and a chance at softening a defense and manipulating them that then gives you opportunities to get Tulu open and get him involved, keep him off balance with Tulu to benefit the run game. 28 pass attempts. Um, it, you know, 20, To win a game in this style of offense – 28 pass attempts has to yield you 20 completions, at least in in this style of offense. It has to. For you to homer away against an SEC West schedule to go and win these games. And the more you learn about yourself, the more accurately you can see yourself in the mirror, the better you're going to address things that need to be addressed. Um. I've had times where I was recording a video or making a video or something and would would like this I'm I'm in front of the camera for a long time and get done and and looking on the video I had something stuck on my nose or I had something on my face or I had you know uh this morning's breakfast on the corner of my mouth and I had to do it all over again and if I had just been able to see that accurately beforehand I could have addressed it but I couldn't see it. The more accurately you can see yourself. So the self-scout part of this. And I heard you know, the comment after the game from Coach Arnett that, and I thought it was a very honest moment. And I think that's one thing we've learned about Coach Arnett is he's nothing if he's not honest. And I think he said something along the lines of, I think I may have misevaluated kind of where we are as a football team right now. And an indication of that was winning the opening kickoff and taking the ball first. When you look back on it now, that was a confident decision. That was a, we're at home, we've got a good crowd here, um, and we, we like our chances taking the ball first. That was an aggressive, confident decision. And then for that offense to go out there and go uh, three for 13 on third downs in the first three quarters of the game, excuse me, State was 0 for 9. So at the end of the third quarter against the LSU starters, you had 123 yards of offense total. You had gone 0 for 9 on third downs, and you had 65 passing yards through three quarters. You win the opening toss, you take the ball, you throw it on first down. That was a confident decision, and it's an indication that State and its staff 
felt about themselves that they were going to be able to take the ball and score and that they were going to have success on offense. And in no way could foresee being at as huge a disadvantage as they were offensively in that game. And so it's an indication of, like he said, you know, like what we thought about ourselves going into this game, turns out didn't really match reality. So the closing of the gap on the self-scout of what you think and what you believe you're seeing about yourself versus what really is reality, closing that gap where you can more accurately see who you are is is going to be a huge help to the coaching staff in making decisions on what they got to do going forward. Now, it also is a help to the opponent. They watch the film too, and those coaches break you down really well too. It's also a help to them. So when things sort of get tighter and a little more compact in terms of what you're trying to do and capable of doing, how you're going to roll and what your identity is going to be, it also helps them to scout you. But we know this. It's, it, <clears throat> it's a lot better. Excuse me. It's a lot better to have two plays that you can execute with one eye closed and one hand behind your back, even if they know what's coming, than to have 22 plays that, I don't know, it's kind of hit or miss. Now, defensively, really not uh, – it weren't a whole lot better in terms of the competitiveness in the ball game. And, again, I think it says something about LSU, but I also think it says something about us, how much uh, further we got to go as a football team. You know, last year down there, LSU primarily in the last three quarters in the second half of that game last year in Baton Rouge – they had 417 total yards of offense, scored 31 points against us, 21 points in the fourth quarter of that game last year. One of those touchdowns did feel like it was more or less, not garbage time, but it was just putting on some icing later. But So last year you give up 31 points on 417 yards of offense. This year you give up four, uh, 41 points on 530 total yards of offense. I thought Jaden Daniels just looked great. Um, we didn't do a whole lot to affect him, but, uh, again, it's a team game. That's a lot on their offensive line, their protection, their schemes. Um, they're, because of their ability to get behind our secondary, it looked like we were forced at times during the game to – be a little more conservative, and we gave cushion. Well, Daniels was a guy who he has a strong enough arm and read things accurately enough that he would get it out very accurately underneath, and then you got a chance to catch and run. Uh, and that happened some, too. That's one thing that impressed me about him was his accuracy with the football. And when you're clean pocket, good athlete, you got confidence in your legs, and you're getting people open, uh, you can sort of get in a rhythm. And boy, did he ever. Uh, started the game. What was he like? How many in a row did he start the game? Um, he was 13 for 13 <clears throat> to start the ball game. That was like Dak against the Jets, started 13 for 13 with a touchdown. But a big problem was we couldn't affect the pocket, force him into that mistake. And so that was a big issue in the game. And he finished 30 of 34, 88%. I saw that it's either it's either an SEC record or it's <laughs> – <laughs> it's either an SEC record or it's an LSU record, one or the other. But if it's an SEC record, then it is an LSU record. 361 yards and two touchdowns, and and most of the time he made it look easy. And I, he did get, he did have three or four times in a game where we were bearing down on him, 
And just as he released the ball, somebody popped him. But he stepped right into it and made throw after throw. In terms of scheme, you know, when you when you got guys when you when you're not getting pressure, okay, and they have time to throw, and he created some time to throw at times because of his athletic ability. And so when he's not getting pressure, it's hard to hold up in a secondary. And they, to their credit, their coaching staff, they got some matchups with you know receivers on safeties a couple different times. Um, there was also one time, you know. You got a corner in position on deep ball, but receiver plays the ball better in the air than the corner does. And those things are going to happen. You know, they're going to beat you some individually. You can't let it happen that much. You know, you just got to foul up their timing and their rhythm a little more and harass a quarterback. And we were unable to do that. So that speaks to the athleticism and the and the punch there too in the fight. But the the one thing scheme wise that was tough to watch. Um, was your zone coverage several times on third down. Now, they are a very third, good third down defense and have been all year against everybody. <clears throat> In this game, they went 9 of 16 on third down. So, you, know, you see throughout the course of the game, they ran 76 plays, and you were able to force them into several third downs, but you couldn't get off the field on third down. They kept converting. And a lot of that was throws against zone coverage on third down in the middle of the field and on crossing routes where <clears> – <throat> You would your, your zone coverage would actually sag and drop farther down the field than the yard to gain. And that's one thing that I know there's lots of details that go into it, and there's lots of rules that are going into it because you know, you're trying to make a stop on third and nine, but you also don't want to give up a 29-yard throw down the field, and I get that. But that seems to me to be something that you look at it and you go, Okay, just from a design, well, design, but from an execution standpoint, we got to understand down and distance on defense just like we do uh, on offense. They had <clears> – okay, so in terms of they had those, what, 16 third down opportunities. They were 9 of 16. They only faced a third and nine or more twice in the game as compared to State. State went one for eight on third and long. They were in third and long twice, nine yards or more twice. They went 0 for 2. Okay, nine times they were in third and short, so they got themselves some third and short. But there were several intermediates, right? So that would mean there were eight times in the game that they were facing a third down of the intermediate yardage of somewhere in the neighborhood of five to nine yards. So third and seven, third and eight in that range. I mean, eight times, and they went 50% on those, and a good bit of those were throws. They were six of eight on third down passing. And so when they needed seven or eight, and you're in a zone deal, particularly in the middle of the field, and now this obviously happens because of protection. The play takes a long time, and that coverage gets farther and farther away. But then you get a – you know, they need seven or eight yards on third down. They get a crossing route at 10. And all of your coverage is beyond that 10 yards – without an option. Part of that, again, is you're not getting pressure with defensive linemen, so you're having to bring linebackers. So there were times when you're, trying, you're making sure you rush at least four, which includes one linebacker, or five, which may include two, and you're removing guys from your underneath coverage because you're trying to get to the quarterback or contain the quarterback. So all those things do work together. Your special teams units are good and well-coached. Coverage, punting, you got to be pleased with that. 
kicking. Kickoffs were much better this week out of the back of the end zone. And the return game's good and potentially really good anytime you've got guys like Xavion and Tulu on your football team. So offense, defense, uh, special teams, offense and defense, really bad, really poor uh, this week and just not competitive against a very good team. Special teams was competitive and did their job. Fans did their job, showed up well. Didn't have a full stadium, but you had a really nice crowd for this 11 a.m. kickoff. So to wrap this thing up, um, there's a little bit of interest to me when I compare State against LSU last year versus State against LSU this year. Um, they've improved. It's obvious, you know, State on offense has not improved from one year to the next. Uh, they scored 31 last year at home. They scored 41 this year on the road with about 150 yard, more yards of offense or whatever it is than they had last year. And we scored two less points than we did last year. But last year's game was different because you had the early lead and you felt like you were trying to hang on. And this one, you were never in it from the word go, and it just wasn't competitive, so it felt different. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so <clears throat> it's a team that's whipped you two years in a row. And this was emphatic. And what's hard to stomach for State is it's been a while. And so, you know, you kind of start with offense. Uh, Your lowest output of offense since going back to a game in 2007, that's really, really tough to to handle, especially with all these older, experienced players coming back and guys like Tulu in the mix there and Woody who it's just clear – that I think they pro- – I, I would imagine that as a coaching staff, they probably came out of this game with a really clear understanding of where they aren't right now and what they're going to have to dial down to to live with to start building something they maybe have a chance to go win some games with. This offensive scheme change, this transition that you're going through, um, it's got a long way to go. And I will stand by the idea that, you know, for Will Rogers, an air raid quarterback, this is really tough for him. He's not playing well. He does not look as confident to me. And the kid looks tough and is a fighter. And for him and the guys on the team, it doesn't matter what I think or what I say. And it doesn't matter what you think or what you say. All that matters is what they think and what they say inside that locker room. And I think they get that. They need to... Get off social media, shut the doors, and and just be around themselves and figure it out together. That's what you have to do. And and maybe they'll do that. But they're going to – it looks to me like they're going to need to take an approach of, okay, this helped us to little, to more clearly find out who we are and, and honestly who we're not. And this offense needs to go through Woody Marks and that running back group and get Tulu involved. And some of the things that we're trying to do that we think we were ready to do in a game, we are nowhere near ready to do in a game. And the biggest improvement they can make probably is, you know, the continuity on that offensive line to continue to build and grow that because they have a long way to go also. Defensively, you want to win some games, you're going to have to get more out of your front. You are. You know, that back end isn't going to hold up much against some of these SEC receivers, and we saw that. Um Saturday when the quarterback's able to either have a lot of time, have a long, clean pocket, or extend plays. And so you're going to have to get off some blocks up front. Guys are going to have to play a little better 
and hopefully some of the personnel matchups in the future will benefit you there too. All in all, tough one to take. That's the way life is. Sometimes you you run out there and you think you're ready and you're just not. And I think we found that out this weekend. Team's got a long way to go. And the thing that they can do, really the only thing they can do and it's what they need to do, again, is block out the outside noise and totally depend on each other. Uh, communicate better with each other. Uh, be better teammates. Work a little harder. Be a little more humble. Be a little more unselfish and just grit it out together. And if you do that, generally, uh, things will work out for you. Um, and I'm hoping that they do. Thanks for watching.